Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. I just came from a two-week um Two weeks off. We had Jeremy here a couple weeks ago. Leilani preached last week. I don't know if you guys enjoyed her message, but I did. And um, it's a funny thing that she got to preach. And uh, usually my wife is a, a very hardworking nurse. And so she at times would say, but you talk for a living, you know. And she's on her feet, saving people's lives, literally. But she got to sit in my shoes uh, for like two months, she worked on that message. And the uh, funny thing about it is that she had an illustration that she had prepared to share that I didn't know about. But a couple months ago, she sent me a text. Um, and it was uh, of an illustration that I wanted to share on Easter Sunday. So I'm looking at my notes backstage, right? And, uh, and I'm like, can someone go grab Leilani? Because I want to use this uh, little poem type of inspirational thing she sent me when I was kind of feeling down a, a couple months ago and she comes back there and she's like no way I'm not going to give it to you I'm using it for my message how could you steal my illustration this is like my whole message is based around this illustration and I'm like babe I got 60 seconds I'm about to go on stage and I need it right and she's like but but you're taking my illustration and I'm like use it anyways and then I got up here on the stage right after having like a little argument with my wife on Easter Sunday right behind the stage and no one saw it. And today I want to talk about the secret to avoiding arguments. Does anybody ever have an argument? Anybody? Yeah. Wives, give your husbands the, the allow them to raise their hand. Husbands, do you ever have arguments with your wives? It's okay. You get, you get a mulligan. Every guy's raising their hand like... See, Abraham won't even raise his hand. <laughs> he knows better, right? And so uh, we're going to be looking at what James has to say on how to avoid arguments. And as I talk with couples, all right, and throughout my life, I, I feel, uh, you know, a calling or I feel inclined to really minister and invest in couples because I believe that the home is the center, not just of our lives, but we have the ability to change our communities, our work places, our cities, if our homes are healthy, if our marriages are healthy. And in talking with couples, the main complaint that I hear is, we love each other, but we just can't seem to get along. Does that sound familiar? Why is it that we have these major blow-ups over like the tiniest minor issue? I talk with parents to say, why is there so much tension between me and my kids, my teenagers? I don't understand. I don't understand why we're in this argumentative mode all of the time. James talks about it in this passage. He tells us how to avoid conflict, and he also tells us the cause and the cure to conflict in our lives. And in this message, I think if, if you want it to really work in your life, okay, for some of you, you're going to think of your spouse, you're going to think of your parents, you're maybe going to think of one of your kids, your boss, but I need you to think about the person that you have the most conflict with in your life, all right? And as I preach, I want you to think about your relationship with this person, okay? And James, what I love about James and in this series that we've been in is that he doesn't beat around the bush. He gets right to it. 
So James chapter 4, verse 1, he starts off and he says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Most of us are like, I don't know, but if I feel like I'm always arguing. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And so the cause of arguments is conflicting desires. The argument that me and Leilani had right before my message on Easter Sunday where a bunch of people got saved and gave their life to Christ, and we figured it out and hashed it out because God is good, and Leilani was one of the people that came and rededicated their lives to Christ that Sunday. (laughs) Um, It's conflicting desires. I had a desire, and she had a desire, and that desire was conflicting. See, when my wants conflict with the wants of something or someone else, sparks are going to fly. Conflicts, they start early in life, okay? When my kids were babies and they didn't want to do what I was asking them to do or they didn't want to go where I wanted them to go, what do the kids do? They throw themselves on the floor. They're like professional, like picketers, right? It's like, have you ever seen like that mom at Publix and, and like the kid's like, no! You think that she's like about to like chop his head off, you know, and she just doesn't want him to eat that bag of Oreo cookies that he just snatched, right? And like people in, in concession areas, like you go to, you go to Publix or Winn-Dixie or you go to a theme park and like all the, the gummy bears and the cookies and stuff, they're like all the way. There's no way I'm going to bend down on my knees to grab a Kit Kat. They know that. They want the kids to grab it. And then they want the kids to go nuts and the parents just to want the kids to shut up. And then they buy it. That, that, that's the trick. This is true. Right? You're like, man, I always thought it was just me. Right? So you don't even have to be able to talk, to have an argument, to have a conflicting desire. You see, marriage has these built-in conditions for conflict. Think about the things you expected from your spouse before you got married. How idealistic and unrealistic we were about marriage. And what a rude awakening it was the day that we woke up, right, after we got married. And we're like, man, I had all these unrealistic expectations. See, all marriages go through three stages. Stage one is the happy honeymoon. All right, stage two, the party's over. And stage three, it's let's make a deal. All right? Stage three, you have to learn how to handle arguments. Because if this marriage is going to happen and it's going to survive, we have to learn how to act and how to respond when we have these conflicting desires, these frustrating feelings that cause fights. And what are the desires? What are the desires that that James talks about? What are these conflicting desires? Where do these desires come from? You'd be surprised to know that there's three legitimate desires. These are the legitimate desires that God actually put in us. And the problem is when the desires get out of control. See, the desires aren't bad. It's when they are out of control. The first desire is the desire to have. The desire to have. We want to have things. Materialism. Possessions. James chapter 2, verse 4. It says this. You want what you don't have. You long for what others have. Isn't that really like our problem? Like our battle is like, we want what we don't have. We, we get something that we thought that we really wanted. And then as soon as we have it, we see another shiny object. Yeah, but, but what I really want is that. We got a new car. And then someone drives by and like, man, he got the upgraded rims. And you're like, man, I love this car. And yesterday I told all my friends about it. And now my neighbor got the same car, but he got like the other package, right? He got the F series or whatever it may be. 
We want what we don't have. We long for what others have. God created us. He created us to have things, to use things, to enjoy things, and to love people. But you know what the sad thing is? Is that we've inverted that, right? We love things. We love possessions. We love the things that we can acquire. We love the things we can't have. And then we use people. We use people to get them. We use people to satisfy our desires. See, that's the problem when we start loving things and we stop loving people and we stop loving God. See, we live in a society where it's real easy to love things and want things. I mean, think about the commercials, the YouTube commercials. Think about the commercials on on TV. Yesterday, we had a great outreach. Some of you were there. It was amazing. We serve so many people that have nothing, that have lost everything. And it was awesome. If you guys want to see pictures, you can follow us on our Instagram. It's at Love Unlimited. Um, you can do that later. Um, and then we got home and we were tired and we woke up super early to get the kids up and then pack up the vans and stuff and head out there. Um, and then we just kind of hung out with the kids. And I was watching the Disney Channel with my daughter Stella. And it is incredible, like, the marketing that they do for little kids. It's like every time their show would end, it's like, Papi, I want that. Oh, I I want those shoes. Bobby, I want to go see that movie. Bobby, I want to go to Disney. And I'm like, oh my gosh, turn the TV off. Right? (laughs) See, that desire to want things. The problem is when it becomes number one in our lives. See, someone asked Howard Hughes one time, how much does it take to make a man happy? And you know what he said? Just a little bit more. The thrill wears off so quickly. See, we need to decide that we got to stop comparing ourselves to our neighbors. we got to stop comparing ourselves to other people that really don't have what we have and the opportunity that we have to have Jesus in our lives. See, when we make Jesus the center of our lives, we don't need those things anymore. Not that it's bad. It's good, and God wants us to have good things, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later. But we can't allow that desire to control us. The second is the desire to feel. The desire to have... And the desire to feel, it almost talks, it sounds like I'm, trying, I'm describing our culture. I'm describing our city. That's what our city lives for. We want things and we want to feel good and want to party. I want to feel good. I want to feel comfortable. I want to have all my senses satisfied. James chapter 4 verse 3 says, You want only what will give you pleasure. Not that it's wrong to enjoy life. Like I said, 1 Timothy 6, 17 says, God made everything for our enjoyment. But when pleasure becomes the number one thing in our life to feel good, then we're going to start having conflict. It's going to cause problems in our life. When my pleasure takes the place of what is needful, then we are in trouble. The fact is that the more interested that I'm in, in my comfort, that I'm, than I am in yours... And think about that. If I'm just thinking about what makes me comfortable, I'm not going to care what makes you comfortable because all I care about is satisfying this pleasure, this desire in my life. And that's, that's why, why couples have so many issues when it comes to sex and marriage because they're just worried about their desire. The one partner, what, what do I want? What's going to make me feel good? When is it going to make me feel good? See, and then we get it twisted and then resentment builds up. The third thing is the desire to be, all right? So to have, to feel, and the desire to be. See, this is pride. This is where pride comes in, power, prominence, popularity. I want to be number one. It's the desire, me first, 
Frank Sinatra summarized it this way in his song. I did it what? My way. We live in a me era, in a me generation. Get to the top. The big shots. Strive for success. I mean, social media, all we do and all we show is like, look at me, look where I am. You know, and, and we buy as many filters as we can so that we can twist reality as much, but just to make it convincing enough for our friends to be, is that really her? Is that really him? I was listening to this comedian the other night, and, and he's like, man, I want to be married to my Instagram wife, right? <laughs> We're telling people, watch me, everybody. You know, watch the way I dress, watch my clothes, watch me by the kind of car that I drive, watch me by the kind of things that I stock up in my house. It's a desire to impress, it's a desire to be full of pride, to be number one, to impress. Proverbs 13.10 says this, pride leads to arguments. So if you're wondering why, 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 why do I have this contentious lifestyle where I keep arguing with people, where people keep arguing with me, Solomon tells us that pride leads to arguments. This is so simple, and why? You see, because I'm too proud to compromise, and that creates conflict. Do you, does it, has anybody here ever played the game Mercy? Remember when you're in school and you kind of interlocked hands with someone and, and you, you twist their hands and, and you squeeze them as hard as you can? Everybody, am I the only one that ever played that? Yeah, right. So you play that and, and you're, I remember playing one time with, with a kid and he almost like cracked my fingers. This big kid is like, I'm going to beat you in Mercy. And he grabbed me and I'm like, ah! And you know why I didn't want to say Mercy? Because I was too proud. I didn't want to give up. I didn't want him to make me say mercy. We do this in life. We do this when it comes to conflict in our life. We don't want to give in because pride is controlling us. And we'll do whatever it takes. We're going to take this to our grave, some of us. We know people like this that have arguments and have conflict with people. And they're going to take it to their grave because they're not going to cry mercy. Pride causes arguments. The next time you're in an argument, stop and think and ask, is it worth it? James tells us that pride, when we think we can do things on our own, it causes two problems. James 4, 2 and 3. You don't have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motive. Sometimes we pray to God and there's so much pride in our lives, our desires are so out of whack, and we don't get answers to our prayers because we're asking with the wrong motives. And here James tells us the two reasons why our desires aren't fulfilled. The number one thing is we don't pray. That, that, that's a fact. And I'm not saying like, ay, Señor, you know, whatever. No, but like really talk to God and seek God first. We go to other sources. We look to people to fulfill our needs. The oracle or that, that person that you follow on YouTube or those inspiring quotes, you know, that come out of nowhere and they pop into your phone. Instead of just going to the one that can meet all your needs in prayer. See, when we pray, we, we usually pray for the wrong motives. We ask for things in a selfish way. The Bible says that everything I need, God has promised to provide. Everything that you need. Think about that. Think about the things that, man, I need this. God has promised to provide all those things. But we have not because we don't ask. And when we ask, we ask with the wrong motives. He'll meet my desires to have, to be, to feel, not just luxury, 
but my needs, what I really need. Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Guys, everything that you see, look out, look out of these beautiful windows. That's why I love our church, because we can literally like look outside. Everything that you see is there because of God. The skies, the trees, the buildings. He created the minds of those architects and city planners. Incredible people. A couple of months ago, maybe like a year ago, I actually met the guy that designed the mechanism that opens and closes the Marlin Stadium. You would never think that this little old man is the one that designed that, but God made him. And if God wouldn't have made him and created him, none of this would have happened. So what does that mean? That we serve a good God. We serve a very capable God that's capable of answering all of our needs. We need to pray and seek him first in our lives. See, when I'm upset at someone, at my kids, at my wife, at a family member, the last thing on my mind sometimes is prayer. It's not. We're not asking. We're like, oh, man, I can't believe it. And we're telling everyone about it. Oh, my gosh, I want to strangle them or whatever it may be. I don't want to strangle anyone. I'm just, you know. But James says, instead of looking to others, look to God in the midst of our conflict. See, not praying is evidence of pride. Why don't we pray? It's because we don't think that we need God. If we really thought that we needed him, we'd be more dependent on God. We'd be more dependent on God to heal our relationships and be the center of everything in our life. Not praying in itself is evidence of pride in our lives, pride that we need to get rid of in our lives. And I'm not saying your lives, I'm saying our lives, all of our lives, we're all in this together. James says we'd have a lot more peace if we just prayed a little bit more. You want more peace in your life? Pray. Spend more time with God. We'd have a lot less to worry about. We'd have a lot less to argue about. We'd have a lot less to fight over if we just prayed more. In these next verses, James talks about conflict with God. Okay, see, pride not doesn't just cause conflict with people. It causes conflict with God. James chapter 4, verse 6 says that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If we struggle with pride and we have pride, God opposes us. Think about that. Opposition. It's war. It's a battle. Right now the NBA is fighting for the best team in the country. And like anything in America, it's always like we're the champions of the world if we win anything, right? So these guys are battling. They're opposing each other. So if we have pride in our lives and we allow pride in our hearts, we have just started war with God. He opposes us, but he gives grace to the humble. Let's just think about that word grace for a second. Who needs grace in their life? I need grace in my life. I need grace in my life because we all make so many mistakes. But instead, we have pride and we don't pray. And so we don't have grace. And this is why sometimes we feel like we're in this like constant rat race. We're like this hamster in this wheel and nothing ever changes in our life. And so I know what you guys really want is the cure. And the cure for arguments is humility. James chapter 4, 6 and 10, it says, God gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. See, conflict and arguments and problems in life, it weighs us down. Man, it causes us sometimes to like be on the floor. We don't want to get up. We don't want to talk to people because of the conflict, this turmoil that we find ourselves in. And we have this promise from God where he says, humble yourself, which it sounds completely crazy. Humble yourself, give up, surrender, throw yourself on the floor, and God will lift you up. So what is grace? Grace 
It's God's power to change. Grace is God's power to change the situation that you may find yourself in right now. See, what would you like to change about yourself? What is it that you need grace to do in your life right now? What do you want to change in your relationships, in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in your future? Whatever you'd like to change, we need grace to do it. It's the power to change. And there's only one way to get grace, and we need to humble ourselves. Think about that. If there's something in your life that you need to change, there's some pride there that we need to get rid of, and we need to give to God. See, God doesn't give grace to people who are full of pride. Why? Because if you're full of pride, what you're saying is that I can take care of my problems myself. How many times have we said that? Something happens, there's this blowout, or there's a problem, there's a situation, I'll take care of it. That's usually what we say instead of saying, hey, you know what? Hey, guys, you know, you're home with your family, there's a problem. Instead of fighting and arguing, you know what? Let's pray. You're going to freak your husband out. You're going to freak your wife out if that's not something that you do. But think about that. Let's pray. Let's close our eyes and let's pray. I don't know what we're going to do. But instead, without really knowing what we're going to do, we say, I will take care of it. Instead of instructing our children, you see, our kids are learning how to live life by the way that we act, by the things that we say. And so instead of teaching our kids, hey guys, you know what, right now, mommy and poppy, we don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to pray. And God is going to show us what we need to do, where we need to go. He's going to give us peace. And right there, you know what happens? God lifts you up. Because we break promises. I break promises. But God never breaks his promise. And he has promised that if we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. Maybe you're here today and you need God's help. You need God to help you in whatever it may be, whatever situation you may be going through. Just tell God, God, I need your help. See, God gives us four specific actions that we need to take to stop fighting. I mean, has anyone ever asked, man, I just want to stop fighting. I want the fighting to stop. I think all of us at one point in our life, I just want it to end. Well, here God tells us, here are four things that you can do to stop conflict, to stop the arguments, wherever they may be happening or when they happen. Maybe right now, there's no arguments. Life is great. But I have a promise. The arguments and the problems will come. And so it's important that we know these things so that when they come, we have a plan of action. It's like when you prepare for a hurricane, right? Most of the time the hurricane doesn't come, but when it comes, it blows the trees, it takes our roofs, it messes up the car. But if you're ready, you can survive. And so for some of you, maybe you're not in a time and a season of conflict, but it's still important that we know this. The first thing that we need to do is we need to give in to God. If we want to learn how to defuse conflict in our life, we need to give in to God. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself then to God. Let God be God in your life. Give him control. Put him in charge. Yield yourself to God. This is the starting point. Quit trying to run your own life. James 4, 1 says it. Your desires that battle within you. That's the constant thing. It's like, man, I... I, I know that God loves me and I came to church because I know it's good for me, but there's areas of our life that we do not want to surrender to God. There's things that are going on in your life right now that you pretend that they're not even there. And God is saying, hey, surrender it to me and I will take care of you better than you think you can take care of yourself. Who here thinks that they can actually take care of themselves better than God? 
I mean, no one's going to raise their hand. God is the only one that can really satisfy and take care of all of our needs. See, you don't get along with other people because you have a civil war happening inside of you. We don't get along with people because there's a battle that's happening in us. This is the real issue. It's not him. It's not her. It's not your situation. It's not your job. It's not your neighborhood. It's not your building. It's not the guy that lives on top of you that makes noise every night at 10 o'clock, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, if I had a shotgun, I'd shoot through the roof, right? He's not the problem. The problem is inside of us. We have a civil war inside of us. So the starting point is getting peace inside of us. Before you can have peace on the outside, you need to have peace on the inside. Before you can have peace in your home, in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids, you need to have peace on the inside. The real conflict is inside of us. Who's in charge of my life? If I'm in charge of my life, I'm going to mess it up. But if God's in charge of my life, then I have peace living inside of us. See, if God is in charge of your life, it doesn't irritate you as much. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. When you have the peace of Christ in your heart, you'll be at peace with other people. Think about that. How can you be at war with other people if you have the peace of God in your heart? It's so simple, yet it's so difficult. See, if we don't have this in our life, God's peace inside of our hearts, then we try to manipulate other people. If God's not in our heart, if he's not ruling in our heart, then we're going to try to control people. We're going to try to control situations. We're going to try to move people around. Because we love things and we use people. Give in to God. This means that you learn to say, Thy will be done instead of me first. That's the difference. When you can say that, when you can say that when you're confronted with a difficult decision in your life, with something that you may not even like, you say, Thy will be done, God. Not what I want, but what you want. Lord, whatever you want, that's what I want. That's where the peace process starts in your life. The second thing, is we get wise to Satan. I'll say that again. Yes, I said Satan. We get wise to the devil. Be alert. Be aware. Realize what he's doing. Realize that where the conflict comes from, where the source is. Don't be dumb. Don't be ignorant. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you guys haven't noticed, what we're doing is we're reading James chapter 4. We're starting with verse 1, and we're just going a little by little. We're going through all of this. This is God speaking to us, giving us these step-by-step things that we need to do. The word resist is a war term. It means be prepared to stand against, to withstand the attack. The devil wants to destroy your relationships. The devil wants to destroy your life. The devil wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy every good relationship that you have. That good thing that you have, he wants to ruin it. Why? Because he loves conflict. He loves arguments. He wants to cause confusion. He wants to cause arguments. He wants to cause stress, hurt feelings, disappointments, anger, chaos. That's what he loves to do. James says you got to give in to God. Let him have control. We have to be on the defensive We've got to resist the devil and realize what he's doing. When that problem comes, when that conflict comes, know that he is trying to ruin our lives. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul says, wise up, 
recognize his tactics, know how he operates. And let me tell you, your wife is not the devil. Your husband is not the devil. Your mother-in-law, your neighbor, even though sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, llegó el diablo, you know what I mean? So, you know, you're talking about the devil and then your phone rings and you're like, oh, we were just talking about you, mom, you know? You see, you know how the devil operates? He doesn't operate with a pitchfork and a red suit like the, you know, the deviled ham cans. That's not what he looks like. He disguises himself as an angel of light. He plays on our pride, particularly our wounded pride. He tells us what we want to hear. He whispers in our ear. All right, you don't have to take this kind of stuff and be like, oh my gosh, now I'm freaking out. No, don't freak out. Just be aware that when we decide to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. When we decide to give into God immediately, there's a target on our back. That's why the next verse, James says, resist the devil. Because he knows when you humble yourself before God, the attacks are going to come. If you wake up in the morning and you have no attacks, I freak out when I, when I talk to people. And, no, my life has been great for such a long time. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> something's not right. Because if Satan's not attacking you, if you're not confronted with obstacles and, and difficulties in life, it means that he's got nothing to worry about. But if you're being attacked, all right, and we're, we're more than conquerors in Jesus, but, the, but the, the bullets are coming, the arrows are coming, the words are coming, and we're more than conquerors in Jesus' name because we resist the devil because we submit ourselves to him. But man, when problems come, it's because... We're deciding to follow God. We're deciding to make right choices. We're deciding to do the right thing. And so, Mark, next time the devil attacks me, what do I do? We got to do what Jesus did. Do you remember when Satan tried to attack Jesus? Remember that? What did, what did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. We need to memorize the word of God. We need to hide the word of God in our hearts we need to remember a, a verse that, that I remembered when, when, that I memorized and I have it written down and I, I didn't sleep the night before my wedding and I was trying to, to figure out how, how can I be a good husband. And one of the, what's funny is one of the things that I, I jotted down in my Bible was Proverbs 13.10 because I, I didn't want to argue, I didn't want to have a contentious home and I thank God that I don't. In Proverbs 13.10 it says, Pride leads to arguments. I memorized that. I memorized that every time that, that I didn't like something or whatever. I was like, you know what? If I'm being proudful in this moment, it's going to lead to an argument. It's going to lead to a problem. But if I'm loving, if I'm caring, it's going to lead to a better outcome. Memorize scripture. When problems happen in your life, say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Think about that. In the middle of your triumph, uh, of your trial, you're going to have triumph. Because the doctor's telling you that you're sick. The doctor's telling you things don't look good. And you're like, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And you're like, all right, let's go. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to trust God. God is for me. He is not against me. And we see how the word of God, the Bible says that it is medicine to our bones. And so let's hide God's word in our heart. James 4, 7, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Don't allow him to attack you. He can't hurt you. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. The attacks of the enemy are nothing against you. If you ground yourself in Christ, you resist him and he will flee. It is a promise of God. You don't have to put up with him. Give in to God and get wise to Satan. The third thing, 
is we need to grow closer to God. We give in to God, we resist the devil, and now we begin to grow closer to God. How do I do that? Well, I gave you a clue. Memorize the Bible, read the Bible. It's so easy now with apps on our phones, like version. If you don't have that on your phone, it's like a must. It's like texting, version. you know, email, and everything else. It's great because you could just tell it to throw you a verse in the morning. You can, like, listen to the Bible as you drive. It has, like, every single version. It has every single language. So if you speak different languages or want to learn other languages, just start there and read God's Word. That's how we grow. It's by going to church, but not just making this something that happens, but no, this is part of my life. I go to church because I hear the word, I sing songs, and I also meet people, and I invest in people. Like, like what we did yesterday, helping the poor in the streets of Miami, that, that makes us grow in our relationship with God. Because you know what happens? We're not living for me anymore. I'm not living for my desires anymore. I'm giving up a Saturday morning to go and serve and love and care. And yeah, you're not going to make every... I don't want to make you feel guilty because you didn't go yesterday. That's okay. We're going to have more of these opportunities. But man, when we say no, let's say, I'm not going to go because I haven't hung out with my kids in a really long time or whatever it may be. Like, make sure that that's what God wants you to do. You know, but, but that's a great opportunity, too, to grow close to God. That's why we're so intentional about the things that we do as a very young church is to give all of us the opportunity to not just go to church, but to be the church, to be Jesus in our community. And that's how we begin to grow closer to God and we begin to diffuse. Think about this. Think about, like, you just served God all day and you saw people that their lives are completely destroyed, children without shoes, walking on sidewalks with, like, needles and, like, crazy stuff. And you go home and you see your kids and and you love them differently. You open your fridge and you're like, yeah, there's stuff we can eat here. You know, it's real funny, like, we went, we fed the homeless, and we usually, like, go and eat because there's, like, you feed the homeless here, and the wharf is, like, right here, right? It's, like, they, we park in the parking lot where the homeless live and then go spend 100 bucks on lunch. And, and after lunch, and I, I thought of this as I was writing, working on my message last night, is Leilani's like, oh, our fridge is full of stuff. Saturday's usually the day that we throw away all the stuff that was, like, left over from the weekend. Instead, we went home and... We ate some of the stuff that, that we had bought during the week or we, that we didn't finish. Our lives began to change. We spent time together. We hung out with the kids and just the kids because we're gro- growing closer to God. You see, when the argument level rises in our relationships, it means that somebody's not spending time with God. It's that simple. If you're arguing all the time or if you're with someone that's arguing all the time, it's because that person... Whoever it may be, it may be me, it may be you, it may be him, it may be her. That person is not spending time with God. Because if you're spending time with God, there is no way that you could be someone who is always arguing with people. So grow close to God. Isaiah 26, 3 says that he will keep him in perfect peace. All those who trust in him, whose thoughts turn often to the Lord. These are promises of God. The more time that you spend with the Lord, the more you're going to enjoy the rest of your time. A great way for you to spend more time with God and grow closer to God is, is to start serving. In the back of your cards today, there's this little box that says, start serving. 
There's people that show up here every Sunday at 7 o'clock and they start setting this place up. The, the tarp and the stage and the wires and the TVs. And we have stuff in two buildings on like three different floors. And these guys do it in about an hour. It's like incredible what they do. And, and uh, you know, Mike, wherever he is, and Miguel and Luke, they could use some help. So if you want to be part of that, that's a great way to grow closer to God. Children's ministry. Maybe you're a musician, you want to be in the band, it's a great way to grow close to God. Let me tell you, these guys are listening to worship music all week. The automatic outcome of that is that they're closer to God. James 4.8 says, draw close to God and he will come near to you. That is a promise. Draw close to God, whatever that looks like in your life, draw close to him and he will draw close to you. And the fourth thing, this one's hard, is to be willing to ask for forgiveness. If you've hurt someone, it doesn't matter if it was today, tomorrow, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. If you hurt someone, tell them that you're sorry. Say, hey, I am sorry. If they said my feelings are hurt, that's a legitimate thing. Say, hey, man, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. You know something I hate? It's like, I'm sorry that you're hurt. That's not an apology. All right, for the record, if you hurt someone, say, I'm sorry. I am sorry that I hurt you. James 4, 8 says, wash your hands, purify your hearts. Our hands represent our conduct, the way that we act, the way that we treat people. Our hands are dirty. It's common language. He has dirty hands. What does that mean? He's guilty. She's guilty. If your hands are dirty, Jesus is saying, wash your hands, purify our hearts, Our hearts represent our attitude, the way that we treat people, the way that we act. Purify your hearts. He says, clean up your act. That's what God's saying. James 4 says, let there be tears for the wrongs that you've done. Do not minimize what happened. That's what James is saying. Don't minimize it. You messed up. The great thing is, is that you have grace. And what is grace? It's the opportunity to change. It's the opportunity to change our lives and to change the way that we are. And so, hey, I messed up. Your tears are real. Your pain is real. I am sorry. Give me another chance. Because when we humble ourselves, what did we learn? God's going to lift us up. If you feel down, maybe it's because you need to humble yourself. You need to surrender to God. Give in to God. I love these 10 verses that we studied today. James 410, humble yourself before the Lord, and He not might lift you up, He will lift you up. So whatever situation you are in today, if you feel down, humble yourself and God will lift you up. I'm going to invite you to stand up, and in a moment the band's going to pray. And I want to give you an opportunity today. If you feel down, if life's got you down, to be lifted up by the power of Jesus. And that's what I love about God. That's what I love about grace is that we have not just one second chance. We have as many chances as we need to get life right. If you're breathing, you have a chance to correct the wrongs. Maybe for some of you today, you need God to give you the strength to restore a relationship that has been broken. Maybe it's with your child. Maybe it's with a neighbor, with a friend. You know who they are because I told you to think about them. And some of you, your eyes, you should have seen your eyes like, I got to think about them for 30 minutes. So you know who they are. Today, God is saying, let my peace control 
that situation in your life. Let my peace rule in that life because we all want peace. That's what everybody wants is peace. And here we have the key. You want peace? Humble yourself before God. Surrender yourself before God. Ask God for help. That simple. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. And you will see how life will begin to change. And so I'm going to pray. And if you're here today and you're like, hey, you know what? I have unresolved conflict in my life. I need to give in to God. I love God and I realize that God is the only one that can make this right. That can restore this relationship, these relationships, this situation in my life. And so bow your heads and let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you because you're real. I thank you because you've given us these steps that we can take to avoid conflict, to resolve conflict, to live in peace in our homes, and our families, with our neighbors, with the people that are around us, by putting you first, by making our, our heart your home. And Lord, I know that there's people here today that, that there's real pain, there's real hurt. They were hurt by someone. They were hurt by many. They were hurt by the things in this life, God. And I pray today that they would find healing. I pray today that they would find you and the hope that only you can provide. That friends couldn't provide, that relationships couldn't provide, that, that substances and things could not provide the peace, the escape that they were looking for. You are our hope. And God, I pray that you would do that work in our lives today. In Jesus' name I pray. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the Word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.